This is a Valfam special, special broadcast. broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday, from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VowFM 88.1. Share it. Dumelang Molweni Sangonani and welcome to another installment of the COVID Report, where we unpack and dissect COVID-19 and its impact on the various aspects of our lives. This is your one-stop shop for all your facts, stats and figures with none of the misinformation. I am your host, Siposi Tlenkosa Zanambuli, and today is no different. We are looking at what is compliance in the face of a pandemic. Beginning of June, when the country moved to level three, a lot more companies and businesses started operating. And today we look at the issues of businesses complying with the COVID-19 regulations in the workplace. Here to take us through it all is Tibo Sana, who is the National Chief Inspector of Occupational Health and Safety at the Department of Employment and Labor. Welcome to the COVID Report, Tibo, and thank you so much for joining us. So firstly, take us through what non-compliance is and what would be happening at the workplace that you would regard as non-complying with COVID-19 regulations. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, so when an employee is about to open up the workplace, the employer should have had a risk assessment done and an action plan drafted before the workers, in fact, commence work. So in this particular instance, once that is done, the employer would then have everything else in place, which includes the following, hand sanitizers, soap, the water's definitely running there, if there was a need for dividers between workers because their work spaces are too close, then the employer would consider that. If that was not feasible, the employer would then provide um, face shields. Um, the employer would be required to provide the appropriate mask, which is not necessarily a cloth mask. Um, the employer would need to train the workers up on what COVID really is, how they can go about protecting themselves, Uh, in order to contain the virus. Obviously, once someone does contract the virus at the workplace, the workers would need to to know what to do under those circumstances, which includes, amongst other things, informing the employer uh, of the situation that the employee is now facing. Um, If the worker is at the workplace, the employer will go ahead and isolate the worker firstly, before releasing the worker to go and have tests done. In that particular instance, a worker could have picked up the virus at the workplace or the worker could have picked it up at home in the community. Uh, In that instance, then, um, the the employer would need to inform the Department of Employment and Labor uh, um, so that the inspectors uh, could investigate the incident. The second part, of that would be for the employer to report it to the compensation fund so that the employer can then uh, um, submit a claim for that particular worker. The, the, probably one of the big issues that has now arisen is that once the employee has uh, contracted the virus and uh, it has been sent home uh, for 14 days of isolation, the employee can then, if the person didn't contract the disease seriously or, or, or fully, the employee could then go back to work uh, after the 14-day period and then um, the employer would need to uh, monitor the worker while the worker was at the workplace. Uh, in addition to monitoring the worker, the employer would need to obviously just take the employee again through all the uh, 
requirements, which includes washing of hands, uh, you know, the whole training issue would, would play itself out again. Um, going back to work, if you had contracted the disease moderately or severely, before you can go back to work again, you'd need to go and see a doctor so that the doctor can declare you fit to return to work after you had contracted it moderately or severely. Now, once you're back at work, um, after you have the disease, I've indicated that there are several things that you need to do. Those are conditions for the worker to return to work. Amongst them, the employer will be requ required to monitor that worker at the workplace to ensure that the worker is not um, um, you know, going back to the, falling back to the disease again, if you like, uh, if I can put it that way. The, probably one of the most important things that has now come out in the second draft of the directions that was published on the 4th of June is that in, if any workers feel in any way that the employer is not taking this disease seriously and there's a distinct possibility that they are going to contract the virus because the employer hasn't got in place certain things, then the employees can inform the employer or a health and safety representative or the compliance officer appointed by the employer that they are intending to leave the workplace because they feel that their lives are basically endangered due to the lack of compliance by the employer. So to answer your question, uh, under what conditions uh, can these things play itself out then? Um, I think it's pretty clear that the, if the employer is not doing or hasn't got in place everything that he or she is required to have, then uh, you will have a situation that the inspectors can come along and effectively, if it's necessary, either shut down a portion of the workplace that's affected or the, the inspector can shut down the whole of the uh, workplace uh, in order to ensure that the, we contain the disease firstly and that we, we don't have further spreading of this disease. Now, um, I just need to repeat something um, in relation to the conditions under which a, a worker can leave the workplace. The employer cannot uh, victimize an employee if they decide to leave the workplace. That must be very clearly understood. If that does happen, the matter can be reported or taken up by the employee with the CCMA or the bargaining councils out there. Um, they also have inspectors and those inspectors can effectively uh, action what is in the direction uh, under the issue that I've just raised now. This is obviously a very fully-fledged plan and a plan that speaks from start to finish. But with many of our legislation and directives that come about in the country, compliance is an issue. So in your experience and what you have seen since the directive, how has compliance been and what are the stats around that? So anyway, the, the, around the compliance issue, from the time that Level 5 lockdown played itself out on the 26th of March up until now, uh, level three lockdown, we have found that employers generally have maintained uh, a 55% compliance rate. Now, this is very, very shocking given that there's been a proliferation of information across the board um, from various parties, including uh, the media houses. Uh, if you find that um, the employers are providing excuses still at this stage that they can't obtain 
um, you know, things like sanitizers and so on, I will find that area very, very hard to believe because there is a lot more um, PPE, personal protective equipment, uh, and other things that are necessary to contain this virus that is available more so today than it was two months ago. So um, if, you, if you look at the compliance rate, it's not only um, small employers that are not complying. These uh, compliance rates apply to the bigger employers. In fact, um, we have served over 300 prohibition notices, which effectively, as I indicated early on, if we prohibit a place, it closes down a portion of the place or the whole place. So we're sitting at over 400 prohibition notices. Now, if um, compliance continues at that rate, it means that we will not be able to contain the virus and the employers uh, will not be able to continue um, um, you know, in their line of work that they have. So uh, compliance rates are a good indication, I believe, of what is happening out there. Uh, both within the communities as well as at the workplaces. And judging from the type of complaints we are getting, there appears to be a lack of um, commitment on the part of some employers uh, to ensure that they are in fact uh, working together with us in order to contain this virus. Uh, compliance then, um, if you fail to comply with the notice of an inspector, uh, effectively we'll re we will then recommend a prosecution with the National Prosecuting Authority. And uh, at this stage, there are a couple of cases that we have, um, that, we are that we have considered taking forward uh, to the National Prosecuting Authority on the basis that employers have just failed um, miserably to, to, to comply with these minimum requirements. Can I also add that the things that we are talking about are not new to COVID. These are the same rules that would apply effectively for any other virus, um, be it uh, your normal uh, flus that we get um, and so on. It's, it's not as if um, washing your hands has become a, a, a fashion statement today. It, if, if that is the case, then um, we have a serious problem. If you look at the level of deaths that is taking place at the moment compared to other diseases, um, such as influenza and so on, then um, we have a high infection rate. Not many people become seriously ill uh, in this particular case, and very few, unfortunately, do pass away as a result of this. But we have the same situation with the other uh, diseases as well. So in this particular instance, um, sanitizing your hands, keeping social distances, while these are things that are going to change the face of how we conduct ourselves um, as a society, these are also things that uh, are necessary in order to keep uh, simple uh, diseases such as influenza that we, we take for granted uh, at bay. And I don't believe that um, it's going to die out the, uh, the, the, the change in the culture of, of what we are trying to put in place now. The, as I've said a moment ago, the washing of the hands, sanitizing, all that, I don't believe it will die out. This will be something that we'll carry forward for quite a long time. Changes that will last a lifetime and changes that are here to stay. 
So what are some of the reasons that your department has found for companies not to be complying? And what happens? You mentioned that the prohibition notices are served and what is the procedure for a company that doesn't comply? And how outside of complaints do you know that companies are not complying? We have two situations that have played itself out. We had 170 inspectors on the ground that went out and did inspections throughout the lockdown period. Um, what you have taking place right now, we have an additional 500 inspectors that will join um, the current KDOG inspectorate. So we should be reaching almost 700 inspectors that will uh, be going out and doing inspections. Now, your best um, source of information is always going to be the worker and uh, in, in the place of the worker, organized labor. And we are asking both parties where there is organized labor that they do in fact report issues to us and where there is no organized labor that the workers in fact uh, get involved and report issues to the inspector. This has been, it's not a new thing. Our inspections are always split up between reactive inspections and proactive inspections. So you'll find that during uh, the lockdown phase, uh, certain companies weren't allowed to operate. Those that were allowed to, we visited them. We were aware of who they were and where they were and so on. So we went out. As the lockdown uh, levels um, went down, um, we, were, we obviously became aware of more employers that, that were opening their doors and we would visit them. So it's, it, in that particular instance, you can say that we did proactive inspections in certain instances, but there's always a portion of inspections that's reactive where we receive uh, complaints from workers and then we go out and do the inspections. Um, undoubtedly, we rely on that type of information so that we, we don't uh, go and waste time with employers who are complying and there are employers out there that do comply. In relation to what type of uh, issues are raised, we find a myriad of, of these things all related to the direction, and I've touched on uh, most of them. You start with the risk assessment. I can tell you that most of the, the notices that were served um, included risk assessments that were not in place or, the, or that did not consider COVID in relation to um, uh, assessing the risks that were at the workplace and how they would deal with those things. The others uh, would have been, as you had at the beginning, sanitizers obviously at the beginning was a problem because the moment it became uh, common knowledge that sanitizers were required, everyone went out and, and uh, in bulk, which, which obviously created a vacuum uh, for a lot of other people. Um, there, there were other things that became um, common knowledge that uh, face shields or perspex separators or disinfection that had to take place. So once a worker, for example, became positive at the workplace and the, the, the employer indicates as much to us and the employee indicates that they've done nothing about it, then we would, we would then uh, provide a notice to the employer, serve a notice on the employer saying that you now need to serve that notice, uh, sorry, you need to disinfect the workplace um, before the workers are allowed back into that area. Because we know that communal areas or areas frequented by a number of people 
uh, be, that create touch points um, for, for all the people that use the area could be infected by the virus. So disinfection becomes quite an important part of the work. Now, the direction currently requires that when you commence work, you disinfect your work area. Uh, during the course of the day, you disinfect. And at the end of the day, before you leave, you disinfect again. So that your workspace, um, you, you, are, you are in fact making sure that uh, the survivability of the, of the virus in your work area is substantially reduced. By sanitizing, um, you further uh, enforce the matter and then obviously washing your hands uh, becomes quite crucial during the course of the day as opposed to just using sanitizer on your skin, um, which might create a bit of a problem uh, uh, due to prolonged use. So now the question becomes, what happens when you do contract the virus at the workplace? The Minister of Employment and Labour issued a list of directives of health and safety in the workplace that employees and employers should adhere to, which we have been discussing here. But Clause 23.6 states that an employee can claim for compensation in terms of the Compensation for Occupational Injuries and Disease Act should they contract the virus on duty. But they need to produce evidence. In your opinion, what kind of evidence is required in order to prove that you contracted the virus from the lack of compliance by your company? You, you raised a very, very important point, um, and it's a very difficult one to give you a, a blanket approach to. But I'm going to put the following forward to you. Um, an example that came to the fore uh, probably during this week. Um, a a worker became aware that her colleague um, had a family that had contracted the virus. Uh, during the, after, after she became aware of that, um, her colleague then contracted the virus. At the workplace, they were all now concerned that this person had been at the workplace and had, in fact, uh, now tested positive, and they all became aware of that. Their main concern was, what do they now do? Do they go home? Do they get tested? What is, what is it that they do? Now, in the case of the colleague that had now tested positive, it's clear that she had contracted the virus at home because nobody at the workplace had the virus. And uh, this, this type of uh, where you contract the virus like that, we refer to that as, the, as a community uh, where, you, where you contract the virus in the community. If you are aware now that, like in this instance, let's say the colleague has now contracted the virus and now you, after a couple of days, start noticing that you have similar symptoms to that uh, as has been identified as COVID-related symptoms. You will then go for a test and after the test has been done, uh, you, you obviously then will know whether or not you have it at that stage. Now, it becomes very difficult at the workplace when people keep quiet. And this is where stigmatization becomes a problem, where people are too scared to say that they have it. In other instances that I've had about during the last several weeks is where people do know they have it. They talk about it at the workplace and management, in fact, at the workplace, will do nothing about it. In fact, in one instance, a manager was walking around knowing full well that he had contracted the virus and had tested positive. However, the person was never sent home and therefore became a danger to the rest of the, uh, 
the workforce. So um, where you are aware that someone has got the virus and you were in close contact with that person or close proximity, you um, the direction does touch on that where the risk uh, level was high, um, then you will have to go off and uh, you will have to get tested and so on. Where the le level of risk is low, you can continue working at the workplace, but you have to follow everything as prescribed, as I've indicated uh, several times now. Wash your hands, wear the mask, sanitize frequently, disinfect the workplace, and so on and so on. Should the um, disease then manifest itself fully in your overtime, then you obviously uh, need to then go off from work and. Um, and then obviously isolate yourself for the period required. And, and that would be quite critical. You must not become a, a further liability to those around you. I've indicated earlier on that there will be, unfortunately, very unfortunately, there will be workers that will manifest fully, but it's not everyone that's going to manifest fully. Um, there will be those that will get low, uh, you know, the disease on a very low level. And we've seen that in the numbers that have recovered, that there are many people that recover fully after contracting the virus. So the, the infection rate is relatively high at the moment, but the recovery rate is also quite high. As long as we keep doing what has been prescribed, washing your hands, keeping your distances, uh, sanitizing frequently, wearing your mask, and so on. This virus is nothing that we need to be afraid of. We need to make sure that we lay the fears of the people uh, by what we are, by what, how we communicate the message around the virus. How we communicate the message of the virus is incredibly important. But now some people do know what they're meant to do and sh know what they should be following, but some choose not to. So what happens to employees who are not complying with the regulations? Are there any set out repercussions for such actions? The Occupational Health and Safety Act um, is very clear in Section 14 that you may not endanger your own life and neither may you endanger the life of those around you. It's very, very clear. If you do become aware of such situations, report it to your compliance officer, report it to your health and, health and safety representative, report it to your organized labor union rep or your union representative at the workplace so that they can uh, assist in taking the action um, with the employer that may be necessary. If you find that the employer, and I've said this earlier, if you find the employer is not responding appropriately to uh, this virus at the workplace as is required, the worker may then, after informing and following the right procedure of informing the employer through the compliance officer or the health and safety rep, or even directly, the workers may then leave the workplace. And the employer has no recourse other than to... Um, um, when I say need, no recourse, they cannot victimize the employees under those conditions. What you find is that the employees can then take the matter up with the inspectorate as well, and the inspectorate will um, engage further if necessary, or the bargaining council inspectors if necessary, 
uh, under the conditions that we, we are currently operating. So some would like to that the repercussions be or criminal prosecution. Um, this should be a criminal charge because of what you mentioned, putting other South Africans at risk. Please inform us, is there a possible charge, a criminal charge that can come from lack of compliance? And could this result in non could this be a result of non-compliance on both parts? I, I like the question because that is exactly what will happen. Our processes are criminal processes. The Occupational Health and Safety Act, if you do contravene uh, any aspect of it, there is a possibility that uh, you could be charged and um, there could be um, you know, a case made against you that will stay against your name for the rest of your life. So uh, we will recommend a prosecution without a doubt if you are flagrant in the way you conduct yourself and uh, you, you're not obeying the, what, what the requirements are of the Act. Um, in this particular instance, the court will decide what is the best and most appropriate um, penalty uh, for the offence that, that has been committed, uh, that has been committed by either the employer and the employee. Either party could be charged um, or both of them could be charged if, the, if it's found that they've been uh, both uh, breaking the law in this instance. So this is a criminal matter and it can, you can be charged and carry that with the rest of your, for the rest of your life. And before I let you go, one of the measures that were implemented to ensure that the curb continues to go down and that the virus isn't spread is that companies provide transport for their employees where it is necessary. So I take that this forms part of the elements of your inspection. Are companies complying in this regard and how have you confirmed that? You know, when it was lockdown level five, there was no uh, public transport or, uh, operating as far as I'm aware. Everything was, was closed off. And uh, what we now have is public transport is allowed to operate. So in the beginning, employers were required to provide that transport, whereas the situation will be different now, um, given that um, there are a lot more things that are open, including public transport. What we, uh, what I can't say f uh, with with a hundred percent certainty is um, because the inspectors didn't report on this matter. Um, it appeared more in discussions at another forum level um, than than coming from the inspector. So um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what um, was happening in that regard. Now, finally, an important part of what you do is you rely on people reporting their companies and reporting non-compliance as workers. So where can they report non-complying companies and what government gazette can they find the instructions and the direction on health and safety in the workplace? The direction is available on the Department of Employment and Labor's website. Um, you can also contact your local inspector make a copy available to you but this if you google it um this particular direction then uh, you should be able to get it off our website the non-compliance at your workplace you can report it telephonically you can report it um online and that was Thibaut Sana, the national chief inspector of occupational health and safety at the department of employment and labor Thank you so much for joining us and unpacking what compliance in the face of a pandemic looks like.